Hi guys, it's Erin, and this is another episode of Causes or Cures. So, did you ever see a wellness product marketed as a cure-all, or as being amazing for 100 different ailments, possibly more? And did you wonder, is there any truth to it? Can it really cure all those things? Water has become one of those products, which kind of shows you how good we have it, right? Some countries can't even get water without human crap floating in it. And we're over here infusing water with different things, changing the pH, putting it through a million different filters, right? We have it pretty good. Today, we're going to talk about alkaline water and also alkaline diet, the alkaline diet. um, And if there are any health benefits to alkaline water or the alkaline diet at all. And before I introduce my guest, who is a researcher who studied this, funny story. I recently was at home in Trucksville, Pennsylvania, where I grew up, and uh, I was hanging out with my dad and my mom, and I bought, or I was drinking, I must have bought it somewhere, but I was drinking high pH water, alkaline water. And my dad saw the water bottle, and he he's a veterinarian. He's also a chemistry guru, really sharp in chemistry, pretty much got everyone in our family through all those required chemistry courses for whatever scientific profession we went into. And, uh, and not only that, relatives, neighbors, the whole gang. (laughs) And he asked me, he's like, what are you doing? Why are you drinking that? And, you know, logically, I know that we can't really alter our pH. And we're going to get into that in the podcast. But I, I said, I thought about it. And I said, you know, Sometimes I just want to be a victim of marketing. And, you know, it's kind of like I just want to gulp my lucky socks. Just want to do that. I'm guilty of that. I don't know. Placebos. Placebos are everywhere. Okay. Today, calling in from Canada is Dr. Tannis Fenton. And she has studied alkaline water and the alkaline diet she did a meta-analysis on it and a meta-analysis is basically where you look at the results of a bunch of studies to see if there's any truth to uh, the health benefits or claims that are being made she is a professor epidemiologist registered dietitian and the nutritional research lead for alberta health services Um, she is at the university of calgary And uh, she is on the phone now. So we're just going to jump right into it and hear what she has to say. If you can start by, I guess, talking about what made you interested in this topic. You know, you did research on it. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Sure. So I'm a registered dietitian. So nutrition is my interest and my, my passion and my work. And I had gone back to school to do a PhD to improve my understanding of what is good research. And I wanted to study osteoporosis and bone health because so many people in later life end up with a severe osteoporosis that can be very painful if it's in the spine or it can be debilitating if yeah. They fracture a hip, and uh, so and you know people can be a hundred percent there with their mind, but yet their body is falling apart. So I wanted to see if I could understand better about how nutrition could help 
improve quality of life for for people in later years. Okay, so you did the you did a, a meta analysis, or, or you looked at a bunch of studies for the alkaline diet, the alkal, alkaline water. Um, I guess maybe just um, because I'm not sure, you know, if everybody listening knows exactly what I'm talking about. So maybe just the basics. Can you just describe what alkaline water is and then even like the alkaline diet just to explain really basic? Just sure. To, yeah. Sure. Uh, those are um, big questions. So I'll start yeah. <laughs> with what is alkaline water. pH, our blood pH is somewhere 7.3 to 7.4. That's just kind of... Exactly. Right. It's actually even a narrower range. It's 7.35 to 7.4 in our bodies. So you could measure your blood and everyone who is not uh, critically ill in intensive care has uh, a blood pH of 7.4. And the only people who have slightly acidic bodies are people in metabolic or respiratory acidosis. And if you have either of those conditions, you are on death's door and you are in an, in an intensive care unit. Well, yeah. hopefully you're in an intensive care unit yeah. where <laughs> you're getting your help. can be brought back to 7.4 and so you can survive. So our enzymes in our body only work if our pH um. is around it is at 7.4 um but people are being encouraged yeah yeah uh, not by medical and nutrition professionals but by people selling things to measure their urine and their urine ph and urine ph on average is around six so that's on the acidic side mm -hmm. but that's normal that's that's what happens for most people. Now, it's not a problem if your urine is at 7, which is neutral, or is at 8. But people are using the fact that 
almost all urine is around six as a marketing tool, which is really quite unfortunate. Right. So just to touch on that, people who follow the alkaline diet or drink alkaline water for health reasons, um, they're being told to, to monitor their pH by using these urine pH sticks. Is that? Yes. Okay. Which, Which is not accurate. It's not, it's not valid scientifically or, and is not health promoting in any way. So the studies that I have done have been mostly about bone health, but also about cancer. And I also studied cancer in terms of the alkaline diet because there's so much promotion yeah. on the internet and in books written for lay people that if you be, if you avoid acidic urine, you will uh, prevent cancer or treat cancer. And, and uh, people are really taking advantage of this. It started with just a few companies taking advantage of people in this way, but now it looks like just about all of the beverage companies are using this as a marketing tool. And it's not illegal to market a product like a water on the basis of uh, false science. But to someone like me as a scientist, I find it appalling. Yeah, yeah. And so in your research, you found... Did you find any evidence at all that would be that it might be beneficial drinking alkaline water? No, nothing. Absolutely none. <laughs> That's absolutely no benefit at all. Okay, that was an easy answer. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I looked to, and it's funny, and I I really appreciated when you said that you. You, know, really, you really went back to school to find out what good research was because I find that, and I, I do believe in certain natural approaches to things um, and the beneficial nature of, of some products, but the lack of good research and quality research um, is really appalling when, when, when it comes to, cert- to promoting kind of like different wellness products um, or people will yeah. take like an anecdote and be like, oh, this is, this means it works, um, or, you know, and not a, a yeah. study that hasn't been controlled and run with it. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and the, and the, a funny story, I actually did buy, uh, my father's a veterinarian and I, the, just to show the power of like buzzwords and marketing, I went and I bought a, a bottle of alkaline water and he saw me drinking it and he's a chemistry guru and he's like, Aaron, and I'm a doctor. And he's like, Aaron, what are you doing? Why are you drinking that? And I'm like, well, you know, just, <laughs> just to see. And, um, so I wonder if you could touch on that of, of how our body because our body regulates our pH. Like, we can't really influence it. Um, you know, we have... No. Right. Our kidneys and our lungs are working constantly to keep our our pH at that 7.4. Right. And, um, and it has to keep it there because our enzymes, which are the... All the functions of our body are, are done by enzymes. Mm-hmm. Our enzymes really only work at 7.4. So as I mentioned, if the pH is not 7.4, a person is 
you know, is not even standing up. They are very, very ill. And, you know, it does happen to people who are critically ill that their pH will go off, but it has to be brought back uh, rather quickly. Uh, you know, and it's, uh, um, medical doctors are doing that all the time in intensive care units. And yeah. uh, I keep mentioning intensive care units because people in other units have pHs that are fine even if they're sick. So it, but if, if their um, kidneys or lungs aren't able to keep up, then, you know, their pH can go off and it needs to be brought back. Uh, rather quickly for the people to feel right well and, and get back to their lives. So, in fact, if the urine pH, if on a urine pH stick it shows the pH to be high, that's actually an indication that our bodies are just eliminating excess uh, basic material, for lack of a better word. Um, yeah, that's right. Right. That's right. They're, just, they're, yeah. they're doing their job. They're yeah. doing their job, right. Um, and... If you have to, there is something called metabolic alkalosis. Uh, now, I don't know, have you heard of any stories of someone actually putting themselves in metabolic alkalosis by following this diet? I would I would think that's hard to do. No. No, okay. Oh, yeah, it would be hard to do. Um, it would be very hard. And actually, the alkaline waters that are being sold, I haven't measured the pH, but when, when you get into extreme pHs in water, we find them unpleasant, and people will understand that, because if I say, well, how would you like to drink straight lemon juice? That's a very acidic um, liquid, and, you know, it makes your mouth pucker, you can't drink it. Yeah. We don't tend to have foods that are um, very alkaline, and so I can't give an example, but it, w- it would be unpleasant. There have yeah. been situations where water supplies are alkaline, and we, you know, we call them alkaline lakes or alkaline flues, and you know, certain bacteria can live in them. And, mm-hmm. But they, they don't, they, they aren't considered drinkable water, and it would be really hard to swallow a highly alkaline uh, liquid. It would be very unpleasant in our mouth. So the alkaline waters that are being marketed are just minimally alkaline. I see what you're saying. And people, most people probably know that our stomach has a strong acid. It has hydrochloric acid in it. Yeah. And that acid serves a purpose that, you know, one of the very first steps to start digestion, but it's also there to help kill bacteria. And the, the pH of our stomach is actually quite extreme. It's a, it's a round pH of a 2. And I talked about, you know, neutral is 7. Well, pH of 2 is very acidic. Yeah. If you add some of the marketed alkaline water, which probably has a pH of 8 or 9, to a pH of 2, it will be instantly neutralized. Yeah. Uh, and so the alkaline water isn't even getting past your stomach. It's being <laughs> neutralized in the stomach. So it, it really is a marketing uh, tool. Um, have you heard of this other trend? I know some some of the alkaline water brands that I've seen, they do reverse osmosis first. I don't know if you've seen that at all. 
or red oh, eye? I'm, I'm familiar with reverse okay. osmosis. It's actually a technique that you can make water out of seawater. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but I, but that's sort of also become a buzzword in the world of wellness. Um, but it's actually not a bad thing uh, because, like you said, there's a lot of people who can drink water now because um, you could take seawater and turn it into drinking water. But I think there's also a trend where, you know, there's this taking out, there's like really no clean water out there, but taking out minerals and elements that we might need. Um, and, you know, and, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if you know what I'm getting. Yeah. yeah. Reverse osmosis is a very energy intensive method to alter the mineral composition of the water. And now the extreme case is you can take undrinkable seawater and make it into drinkable water. Mm -hmm. Um, Reverse osmosis can be uh, designed in various ways. So if people are using it to alkalinize their water, oh my, they're putting a lot of money and energy into something that has no benefit. And you're right, if it's a matter of taking out minerals, well, you know, it doesn't hurt to have a few trace elements in our in our water. We don't need to essentially drink distilled water. Yeah, yeah, uh, I don't it, think we were designed to. Very... Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. It, it's it's very wasteful and um, and unnecessary. The main thing is, it's totally unnecessary to do those treatments um, to the water. So what um what it, do you think? I don't want to take up too much of your time, uh, but what what is driving this movement? Like, is there any is there a face to this movement, or why are people jumping on this bandwagon? I think. I think it's marketing. Marketing. That uh, uh, I've seen that a lot of the beverage companies now have an alkaline water. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, one thing that is not healthy right now is the beverage companies. The beverage companies want to always be in increasing their sales. Right. And there's been a reduction in the last couple years in the amount of sweetened sugar-sweetened beverages being consumed in North America. And so the beverage companies are feeling unhealthy. So they're trying to find another way to sell their bottled water. And they've decided on using this alkaline concept to, to market water. So as, as far as I can see, with all of the studies that I have read, I see it as purely a marketing technique. And, and that's why we see it, and that, and then, and then, people are writing about it, and there's a placebo effect. It's really, really powerful, and that is that if you take something or consume something that you think is helpful, you feel better, and so it's easy if you've had that placebo effect active to feel that you're benefiting from the product, whatever it is, right. alkaline water, and uh, I think that's why we're seeing so much hype is number one, marketing, and number two, the placebo effect. Yeah, it's like, oh, maybe this will help me, it's right in front of me, it's not going to kill me, so I'm going to try it. Um, yeah. And the alkaline diet... 
from what I've read about it, it's it's actually pretty. It's healthy. It's like there's it's right. It's like vegetables and um, so if somebody feels better or if their blood values or lipid values improve, it might just be because they're eating healthier and has absolutely nothing to do with the exactly. pH. Right. Yeah, that's right, and the alkaline diet is encourages lots of fruit and vegetables, and so, you know, people are likely to feel better if they weren't eating enough fruit and vegetables or enough fiber, you know, if they increase fruit and vegetables. Yeah. But there, there is an aspect that sometimes the diet talks about you should cut back on protein uh, to get your diet more alkaline, and that part is the part that worries me. That you know, we need protein, and we shouldn't use the alkaline diet either as a reason or a justification for cutting back on on protein. That that would not be a, a wise right. move at all. Right. That that's the one aspect of that diet that I I worry about. It also any of these diets really in, encourage people to over-focus on what they eat and aim too much to have just only healthy foods. And, you know, I'm a dietitian. I believe in healthy foods yeah. and I enjoy healthy foods, but it can, it can get to the point where it becomes a focus of a person's life and that's yeah. considered to be orthorexia and totally that can be that. damaging because then it interferes with life and it can interfere with social yep. relationships and, and that's when it becomes a problem. And that's not limited to the alkaline diet. That happens with just about any of these. Uh, I um, I had I struggled with bulimia in my early twenties, so I can totally relate to that statement. Um, and it the healthiest diet for me has always just been cultivating a very healthy relationship with food, but not doing any sort of diet. That would be the worst thing that I could do is like jump on, you know, one of these bandwagons. And, um, I, so I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's just overall, it's not, it's, it's funny because the most holistic way to kind of eat healthy is to, I don't know, just to kind of have a, just cultivate that food, food is fuel and, and to stop labeling things as bad and good. And, um, that's been my experience. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're, you're totally right. And, uh, as a dietitian, I, I totally agree with you that uh, food is fuel, it's nutrition, but it's also an enjoyable aspect of, of life and it's yeah. a social aspect. And when it gets too distorted into an extreme yeah. with restrictions and only some foods are healthy and other foods are you know, banned because they're unhealthy, it can become a problem. And, you know... A little sugar or a little yep. unhealthy fat isn't gonna isn't gonna change your health. Yep. And I'm not advocating unhealthy diets. I'm advocating healthy eating. So I'm advocating that people relax and enjoy life as well. Yep, I couldn't agree more. That's the only thing that's really worked for me. <laughs> and it was kind of like an ironic switch but I was like oh wow this I've been doing it wrong all along and uh had to bring myself to that point where where, yeah it's enjoyable it's building relationships um and you know there's a element of gratitude there too um but yeah we tend to focus though on people's fears like when when I see people market things in the wellness industry it's you know enhancing fears and also 
it's a lot of reductionism and it's making people paranoid about certain ingredients. And I'm like, whoa, that's, I don't think that's healthy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh. And, and, you know, as dietitians, we also do encourage you know, eating foods without extremely long ingredient lists. But that's not to say that every food that you has to have a very short ingredient list and, yeah. and variety and gratitude and moderation. All of these other concepts are very important in choosing a healthy diet. Yeah, it always goes back to moderation. <laughs> um, exactly. But yeah, it's like the these, yeah, moderation, it works. Um, thank you so much for your time today. Are you um, planning on doing any more research in this area or other areas, similar areas? Well, it's kind of interesting about the whole alkaline diet because I, I've i moved on to the more important concepts, and uh, I've seen that the other researchers that have done the really good metabolic studies on this diet have also moved on to other things. You know, once you find something is really not at all important, it seems a little bit wasteful to right. spend your career on it. <laughs> True. <laughs> so uh, there are other things of more importance, uh, but uh, the low-quality studies have continued in this area, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, the high-quality studies seem to have dried up. So, uh, you know, you can always find very poor-quality studies to support just about any concept. So true. And um, so, you know, I've moved on to other things. Thank you, yeah. Well, um, yeah, I, I think thanks so much for your time. And I look forward to uh, sharing this. Okay, take care. Have a good day. You too. Bye bye. Thank you guys for listening. A special thanks to Dr. Fenton for calling in from Canada and sharing her expertise with us. It's always great to have the actual researcher or doctor on the phone, uh, or Skype calls, however, however we record it. Um, And now I know some of you out there may drink alkaline water. You may follow the alkaline diet. You may feel very strongly about it. And that's okay. I welcome those feelings. And I welcome your feedback and your comments, uh, especially if you disagree with me. It's good. Disagreement is good. And if you'd like to share them, uh, you can find a link to this podcast on my Instagram page, Blooming Wellness. There's an underscore in there somewhere. If you type it in, you'll find it. Uh, Facebook or on my blog at bloomingwellness.com, I'll post this. Feel free to leave your comments and we can talk about it. Um, well, I think it's really important to focus on good science and the scientific method is hugely important and sometimes that gets overlooked in the wellness world. Um, I also think it's important to uh, keep an open mind and never get addicted to being right. And, you know, being right should never be the goal in science. It should always be to explore and you know just be open-minded to new data or new ways of looking at things and that sort of thing Uh, but good science is important so and not making false claims is also important um that said hope you subscribe share with your friends and see you on the next episode hopefully or hear you or something i don't know all right i'm really bad at endings okay (laughs) bye